Well, when you think about a homeless person, what do you imagine? What gender? What skin color? What sort of hair? What do they look like and where are they? Welcome to the Dear White Women Podcasts. We're your hosts, Sarah and Misasha. Well, it's actually just Sarah today because of a scheduling snafu, but this summer we are bringing you focused episodes that highlight organizations that support people or address issues that you might not have thought about that could still use some help. Today, I'm thrilled to have Jeff Davis, the visionary and founder of an organization that we learned about at the Denver Women's March. Honestly, my jaw dropped when you told us what you are doing, because to be perfectly honest, I never, ever thought about the problem you are solving for people in our community. So the question I asked, you know, when I pictured a homeless person, if I'm totally honest, I pictured a scruffy white male. And then you pointed out the glaring hole in my vision. So Jeff, can you tell us a little about your organization, Period Kits, please? Absolutely. Period Kits was founded in, and we kind of had two foundings. We were founded initially in March of 2018 when a friend of mine wanted to start an initiative to build 300 kits in March for her birthday month. And that went really well. And, and as that success came, so came the media invites and the requests like that. And towards the end of 2018, her and her husband decided that, you know, starting a 501c3 wasn't something they wanted to do right now. They decided to try this. I didn't even know it was a thing called van life. So they fixed up a van so they could live in it. And they spent all of last year living in Moab and having some really incredible stories, I think. So for me, I decided to keep it going. I decided to file the Articles of Incorporation and file the 501c3 and make this a, I always say like a grown or make it a for real organization, right? And it needed structure and it needed things like that that come along with that 50C3 status and, and things like that. So February 13th of last year was our first event. And August 5th of last year is when we got our official letter from the IRS saying that we were 501C3 status. That's awesome. So tell us about what, when you talk about the kits that you're making, what is, yeah, tell us about the kits. And when did you realize, I mean, you said you started this with your friend, but when did you collectively realize that there was a problem here in the homeless population that needed to be addressed? So every kit is reckoned to be a three-month supply. So every kit contains 40 tampons, 20 pads, 20 liners, a package of feminine wipes, and then a six-pack of underwear. And I became aware of this issue. It was kind of twofold. One, I had a that same friend had a we were having a conversation, and probably didn't grow up in the greatest of circumstances. And and she made a comment about like I've been there, I've been in King Supers, and I've had food, and I've had tampons in my hand, and I had to put the food back and know that I was going to go hungry for a week. And that really resonated with me, just because that's just something a person shouldn't have to figure out regardless of any other things, right? That's just something a human being should have to figure out. And then also had a separate conversation. There's a place called Father Woody's, which is in Denver, and was talking to one of the people there. And I was like, why is, why is this such an issue? And they said, kind of what you talked about is when we say person experiencing homelessness, the majority of people tend to picture a man. And if you picture a scruffy man in a fatigue jacket and if he's got a bottle in his back pocket, that's easy for you to deal with, right? We don't picture females and we don't, certainly don't picture children because then that's then that's harder for us to deal with. And so we we're talking and she made the comment to me that basically said, I can go downstairs right now and I can trip over socks and I don't have a pad or a liner on the shelf. And so that then was like, well, what do you do? You've got a, this place has a shower program for anybody. What do you do if, you know, when folks come through that are menstruating or she's like, I have to, we have to take money out of other programs 
to make a Costco run or something. So we have to essentially rob Peter to pay Paul. And that really, both those things within probably about a three to four week period really just galvanized me on this this cause. And then I knew when I really started getting it going that I didn't worry about support. I knew folks, if they knew about this, would support it. The biggest thing is knowing about it and talking about it. That's true. I mean, because tell me what women were having <laughs> to do when they got their periods. So one of the first conversations that I had with that friend of mine that talked about making the choice, I, I asked her, I said, well, what happens if you're just hungry that day? You're starving and you choose the food. What do people use? She said people will use folded up newspaper. They'll wrap toilet paper around their underwear and try to use that. Folks are using cotton balls. Folks are rationing a homemade tampon out of a tore up pad and rolling it up and trying to leave a string on it so they can pull it out. <laughs> and folks are rationing themselves tampons. People are using tampons for two to three days, the same tampon, because they can afford 12, right? And that's even gone through to this year where we got a call from a high school up in Brighton, and they said, hey, we've got this girl in here who's 14, and she's changing her tampon every other day because that's what she can afford. And that can lead to a whole other, you know, list of issues. Absolutely. You know, and then you're in a whole other world of trouble. Right. That's crazy because I'm thinking, you know, people say all oh, homeless people, you sh people who are, you know, living without shelter, they need to apply for jobs, they need to work harder. But if you're a woman who's menstruating and you have newspapers shoved in your underwear as you're rolling into a job interview... That's really difficult to imagine. It really doesn't exude confidence, right? It, it, like, that's a big issue. And I think there's, do you even go to the interview? If that's your issue, or, and you're worried about either bleeding through or some folks or people that I've talked to, because I've talked to a lot of people, older sometimes or whatever, you're not going to go to that interview or that appointment for your services with full of confidence. And you probably just won't go. Right. Yeah, that's probably true. How many women, so then let's put it into context for your organization, Period Kits, which is located in Denver. How many women are in Denver who are homeless? So every year, Colorado Coalition for Homeless and Metro Denver Homeless Initiative and folks like that go out and they do what's called a point-in-time survey. So at the end of January, they'll go out with food and blankets and things like that and try to capture a number of folks that are unstably housed. Most people in that kind of field just assume that the point in time survey really captures about one in two people. The numbers aren't exact because a lot of people don't even want to take the survey. But last in 2019, the last time the numbers are there, there were 1,914 people that identified as women that are unstably housed or living in a car or, you know, whatever you want to say. So there's about 1,900 women, probably up to the way the number's been training, probably it'll be 2,000 this year, I imagine. So there are about 2,000 women every month that I have to figure this out. Wow. And how many kits for your organization do you find yourself like giving out in a month? You know, you mentioned how many, you know, the tampons and the pads that are in uh -huh. there and all the, the supplies. How many do you find you're giving out? Where do you give them out? So, yeah, period kits, part of so, so 20 percent of every. So we have public events where we'll get together at a coffee shop or a brewery and we'll have these kits built in public. So we'll build 70 kits at Copper Door Coffee, and then 20% of every kit build goes directly back to the streets. And that's kind of in our bylaws. We want to honor that kind of where we started from. And so 20% will go to, we'll walk around Civic Center Park, or we'll walk around Sunny Lawson Park, or really wherever folks need it, right? And then we chose five agencies to support. So we support 
A Precious Child, Joyful Journeys, Growing Home, The Dolores Project, and we support Bayard Enterprises has a laundry truck that goes around and will do laundry for free. So we get kits on there. We give out about 300 kits a month. And we give out, and we have right now, we have a wait list of about 11 agencies. If you add them all up, it's over 300 kits a month that we can't meet that demand. And we haven't even addressed the schools because we get probably four emails a month from different school districts too wanting kits. So we're at about 300 kits a month on average that we're giving out. What is that bottleneck for you? Like how, if people are listening to this and they're like, oh, I want to help. What is, is it, you know, if we give this many dollars, this is, you know, how many kits you can make? Is it like you need manpower to build them? What's helpful for you? It's really a matter right now of, it is money. I mean, we started and things just, our first event was on a Wednesday. We were on Channel 9 on the Saturday at a news station and up since then and can't keep up with the demand. And A, the, the truth is that an interesting thing is when we were at the Women's March, we, Period Kids, received about 12,000 products that were donated, which is amazing. And I had told one of the organizers that her goal in 2020 was to build 2020 kids. And she made the comment afterwards, like, you know, it's great. You guys must be really close to your goal. And I'm like, no, this is like 150 kids. It's not anywhere near. So the, the short answer is, is money because, A, as a tax exempt, we can – my $100 is going to go further at Walmart than your $100. But we have an Amazon wish list that we – people can – if they're more comfortable ordering products, they can order products straight through the Amazon wish list. And then through our website, we have a donate button where they can set up either a uh, recurring donation or a one-time donation. So that's really the bottleneck. And the they're expensive, Right, these supplies that were, you know, tampons and pads and liners aren't exactly cheap, and so twenty-five dollars would essentially buy one kit, and that'll supply a woman for about a month, roughly three months. That's considered a three-month supply. That number came from that started it. I obviously don't know, and and I know it fluctuates. Right, I have five daughters. And I know that for some of them, that supply would last a minute and some would last three months kind of sometimes. But it was meant designed for a three-month supply because that's what also can fit in a small enough backpack to go inside of their bigger duffel bag suitcase because they're mobile. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So you said that we could find you on Amazon wish list. You know, we can find you obviously directly at your website. Is that financial support the thing that you would find most helpful at this stage? Yes, and also because it would start to alleviate the – right now at this point. And so with our five partner agencies, we made sure they were covered for kits through April. So what that means, though, is we have no underwear so or we have no wipes. So when you build on what the public brings, sometimes not everybody brings the same thing. So if there was more money, we could get inventory and know, hey, we're running low on wipes. Let's go get some wipes. All right. That sounds great. But there's just not money, you know, really in the organization. Okay, then that's great. The money is the way to go right now, then. <laughs> I did have a question about other organizations throughout the country, because this is very Denver specific. And from what I understand, there are other organizations that are similar supporting kits for <laughs> unstably housed individuals throughout the country. Do you know of others that you would recommend or, you know, that... I have a few that I know. So period is a national movement out of Seattle that primarily, I believe, are focused on the taxation aspect of period products. Period United is a group out of Texas that's amazing. And they, I think they started like in Austin and then went to San Antonio and then they all decided to come together. And then I, if it's, I can send you a list 
There's an organization called the Alliance for Period Supplies, and they have chapters, probably about 30 chapters right now across the country. So if it helps, I could, and you could post it, I could get you that list. And off the top of my head, I'm not sure. I know we've had 14 cities across America reach out to us and want to start a period kits, Buffalo or whatever. It's fantastic. And, and we've always said, well, we don't know what we're doing here in Denver first. But um, no, this has got to be a national movement because it's not just 1900 folks in Denver that are trying to figure this out. You know, the numbers are much greater than that. Absolutely. One last question. I realized when we started this show, I said, you know, I, I pictured a homeless person. Your <laughs> languaging was different around that. What is the languaging that's used in your community when you're talking about people? You said unstably housed. Like, what am I not? What should I be aware of? I think person experiencing homelessness is one commonly used thing because it implies that it's just a, it's a phase of their life. And hopefully, you know, whoever it is will come through this. Unstably housed is that more addresses that more addresses that person living in a van, maybe, or, you know, things that they or are couch surfing. Extreme poverty is another one. The bottom line is it's a human being. That's the word that should just be used, right? It doesn't really matter their socioeconomic status right now. They're a person and they need a all help. And so that's what we can do as an organization. And we're handing out kits this Saturday, some emergency kits that are just like a one month supply for anybody that it doesn't matter. You know, there's no qualifications. And again, it's just that if you can get a kit and you can save $25, can you go buy some food or buy a hotel or go towards a hotel for that night? So the language is, I think, secondary. It should just be person. Thank you. <laughs> and then my last question is, do you then approach, you know, I, I understand if you're working through organizations and you're distributing things through organizations that support that, when you're walking through a park, do you just walk up to people and say, hey, do you need this? How does that sort of outreach play into it? It usually happens that you hand, if, once you hand kind of one out, then it, other folks will start to come around. And what it, so it's never, we try not to ask because sometimes you're not 100% sure. Maybe they're just got a funky look to them today. <laughs> I don't know, right? So just, and I don't want to insult anybody, but once you kind of figure out who's in need, that they'll come to you and the general response, and it's the best part of the job absolutely is the lady that like clutches it to her chest and starts crying because you've given her right some you've given her some dignity is that our tagline is it's about dignity period and that's really what this whole organization is about is providing health and dignity to people that for whatever reason right now can't afford it i love the work you do the vision you had and the gumption you have to keep going with it so thank you and thanks for your time today thank you so much i appreciate it Okay, Misasha, I'm super excited that we get to talk right now after that conversation I had with Jeff Davis. Yes, I can't wait to hear more about what you thought. Yeah, because he and I actually wound up chatting for a while afterwards. And he and the work that he's doing is incredible beyond period kits. It felt to me like having started this nonprofit has given him a platform. And as a middle-aged white man, which he himself claims, I'm not putting descriptors on him, but <laughs> it really makes me feel like he's an incredible ally for people who are basically nothing like them in him. And that like, we're talking about women who have their periods, but he has several children, several girls that he's raised, and he knows all about this. And so for me, I love that someone is an ally, like he's got this personal experience based on people he's known and loved. And it kind of reminded me about why we started the show in the first place, because I love you as a friend and as a sister. And you are personally family with people of color. And that is what launched us into these conversations. And so 
again, I have great admiration for what Jeff is doing. He's really taking it above and beyond because he sees a need and he's doing some crazy cool stuff beyond running this nonprofit. So get this. Can I tell you about it? Yeah, please. Okay. One of the things that he's doing is dealing with schools. And it was something I never thought about. Like when you were in school, did they offer like tampons and pads in the bathrooms? Yes. Oh, right. You went to private school. <laughs> Never yeah, mind. That's the wrong person. Yeah. Me of the... I don't think that was common. Yeah. <laughs> me of the public school? No. I feel like... I don't even know if we had like those 25 cent like drop down machines in there. But public schools in Colorado have approached him to ask him to provide kits for middle schools and high schools. And if you think about it, there's definitely people, kids who can't afford tampons and pads at that age, especially if their families can't help them out, right? Yeah. And I think all of us have been to bars. I don't know, men, if you're listening, you probably haven't been to the bathrooms at the bars where they offer tampons, but they're there in public settings. And so what about for the kids? I think that's a really important change. And it's incredible that he is involved in those conversations with the public schools here in Colorado. Yeah, I love that. Get this. The second one is legislation. This is up your alley, you lawyer. <laughs> he is using period kits as a way to campaign for bigger, broader change in our society. And there was, I did some research on this after he mentioned that he's been asked to, to speak at some major sort of legislative, if that's the right word, like events or talk to people who can make change. Did you know that period products are not considered medical supplies? I have a feeling as to what half of society sort of put that into law, but... Right? Yeah, that's... I know. I can't believe that. Right. This is according to American government tax breaks. Period kit products are not considered medical supplies, but what are the options out of curiosity for a woman if you don't use a tampon or pad or a cup, like for the time that you have your period? I know, right? I mean, yes, exactly. Did we ask to have this happen to our bodies? I know, right? Okay. Sorry. So getting off my high horse, here is the kicker. You know those, and I don't have them, but those flexible, the FSA, the flexible spending accounts and the health savings accounts. Yeah. These yep. are the ones that you can use to set aside some of your earnings before taxes to pay for medical expenses. And you can save like up to 40% on prescription drugs, doctor's visits, medical purchases, but not for period products. So you get taxed twice. You get payroll taxes taken out and you have to pay sales tax at the register. That doesn't seem right at all. Just viscerally wrong. Right. So what I'm excited about is, for example, me locally, right? Denver City did remove menstrual products from the city sale tax because they are classified as medically necessary. But the state sales tax is still going to apply. And guess why? Because it, yes, the answer to so much in this country, it would cause them to lose about two and a half billion dollars of their budget if they took away state tax. So it's just been sitting there for years. And so he's in conversations around that. But guess what is considered medically necessary? Things that relate to men. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so band-aids, sunscreen, that's like for all of us and the kids, right? Yeah. But condoms, Rogaine, Viagra. None of those are taxed. Mm, yeah. Again, I wonder who, you know, got that legislation through. Right. Mm -hmm. So just to put it in perspective, girls in the United States on average start menstruating at age 12 on average, continuing until menopause in their early 50s. And there is, we, you know, like there's a huge range of normal, but say a typical menstrual period lasts three to seven days per cycle, about every three to five weeks. So that's about 60 days every year for 40 years. And remember, none of us asked for this. I mean, it is a privilege, right? And all the things, but I didn't ask for it. So let's talk costs. 
And I don't, at the risk of being, I want to be polite about it, so I don't want to describe what would happen if we did not have these products, but a box of tampons costs about $7 for a ballpark 30 tampons. If you use one tampon every six hours, because if you don't take it out, you are at risk of toxic shock syndrome. Mm -hmm. And then you use four tampons a day for five days of a period. It's about 20 tampons per cycle. So on average, it costs at least seven bucks a month, assuming you're going to have to add on panty liners, pads, new underwear when you bleed through, like that's all taxed, right? Yeah. And to some people, it may be like, well, seven bucks a month is not a lot of money. But in the US, 14% of girls and women live below the poverty line, which is actually more than boys and men. Only 11% of boys and men live below the poverty line in this country. And this disparity holds at nearly every age and it's strongest during a woman's menstruating years. So 12 million women and girls in the US between the ages of 12 and 52 live below the poverty line. Wow. And so how are we okay with them having to make the choice between period products and feeding themselves? Because if you think about $7 in that context, that's a loaf of bread plus a dozen eggs and a carrot and an apple or a bunch, a whole bunch of cup of noodles. Yeah. That's a really significant and frightening choice you're asking people to make. You're asking 12 million people to make that choice. Yeah, it shouldn't be a choice. There should absolutely not. That shouldn't be an either or scenario. Yeah. Right. And so the point of it is, I mean, literally none of us would be here if women didn't biologically have programming to get periods. We would not be able to have children. There would be no none of us, right? And I've said it several times, but not a single one of us raised our hands and were like, yes, please let me have that period. So it kind of is time that we treated all women and the biology that we have no choice over with some degree of reverence and respect. And that was the conversation that Jeff and I got to have. And I'm so glad he's out there making a difference. And it's a cause that I hope we can all get behind. So I wanted to just say, Jeff Davis is here in Colorado with period kits, but there are a lot of other places across the country that are doing similar things that are worth looking at if you want to support something more locally. I mean, Misasha, you looked up for one in in the Bay Area. Yeah, Blossom Project, which appears to be doing something very similar and is amazing locally. I looked up Michigan has helpingwomenperiod.org. South Carolina has the homelessperiodproject.org. Shanisa Boswell of Black Moms Blog had this whole period party recently. I saw it on her social media feed and she brought it to our attention that you can donate period products to your local homeless shelters. And I mean, Google it. If it's not in your area, maybe you can think about making it happen. And if you want to connect with Jeff for inspiration, let us know. He's out there doing incredible work, is an incredible resource. And uh, we really appreciate all that he's doing for all of us women. If you like what you've heard or you like what you're hearing, please take a second to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you use. It would mean a lot. That helps us spread the word about our podcast. Or if you're into direct sharing, tell a friend or five about us. And if you want any more information, go to our website at dearwhitewomen.com. We've got all the past episodes, email signups, and all our social media links from there so you can stay connected and get all the bonus material that we offer. 